Holy shit, I can't believe I just figured that out. Okay. Hey. <laughs> um, we're recording, yeah. Dude, I totally figured out how to fix my mic on my own. Um, don't laugh because that's a big deal. I'm learning. Um, I set up my mic in my bedroom in New York. What's up, Brooklyn? I'm home. Um, you won't see a lot of me though, because I'm working so much this week that um, I know I don't even get to see my New York friends um, until we like throw parties together and stuff and do a catch up. But how are you guys? It has been quite the week. Sorry for all the mic noise. I'm clearly figuring this out. So what happened was my RE20 was in my bag with me in Carlsbad. My dad set my mic up in my bedroom where I grew up in San Diego. And then it's like, dad, we have to put the mic back in my suitcase. It's got a huge arm stand on it. Well, welcome to the Wabi Sabi pod. <laughs> This is episode nine, yo. <clears throat> I tried to think of a really um, good segue from our last few weeks of potting. And the one thing I definitely could think of was um, a song that just kept playing in my mind over and over. And it's Weezer's um, cover from Toto's original song, Africa. And we'll get into why that plays an important role in our lives right now and why it was a really fun choice to cover out on a whim through a tweet. Um, also today's pod is going to be about how my resume is my clapback. So let's talk about building, shall we? So many of you guys ask me how to build a better brand and you come to me, um, asking me for advice and I'm happy to share it. So happy to, and to lead the way you guys may or may not know that I have a team of incredible women that I work with. Everybody's an independent contractor. They work with me full time, but everybody has a position on my team and they work with me when we have projects going on, or for instance, this week I have Wendy Williams, I have the Today Show, I have interviews due for Food and Wine Mag, for Girl Boss, for Epicurious, and for a, a cover shoot for 24 Hour Fitness Mag. Um, and on top of that, there's the podcast and social, my regular writing for my blog, promoting my books on the regular. And then also I do the back end work for all of my shoots. So I develop and write and test all the recipes. I put the recipes together on a document for our whole team to go through for pre-production. Um, and then I also put together the schedules for hair and makeup, pulling wardrobe, getting props, flowers, and just putting together the pieces of the work week. And that reminds me, I have to get back to ABC home. I'm writing this down. <laughs> on props this week. There's so much to, uh, manage that I just like, sometimes I get a little, um, nervous before my shows, but it's only because I want to be pre-prepared like crazy. So how can your resume become your clapback? The reason why I brought this to our attention today too, is because, um, I kind of experience entitlement a lot to the point where I know I'm not alone when I'm appalled by it because, um, for instance, I podcasted out in San Diego where I'm from with my homie Richard Blaze and his beautiful wife Jazz and we had the best time 
And I'll preface that she's beautiful inside and out. She's a wonderful human. And Richard has been my friend for many years, almost a decade now. Um, we've both been on Top Chef and we're uh, both still good friends. And he's he's out in my hometown now, which is so cool. But he said that he's like more than half of the people that have come on the podcast have have spoken about how the entitlement that's out there right now is is such an issue. So I'm going to try to utilize my resume as my clapback because not only have I dealt with suppression and people talking behind my back and talking poorly about um, my work, particularly just out of nowhere. I mean, I can list off some of the stuff that there was a, a mean girl who wrote about me um, when I was on this E-series and... <laughs> It was just so funny because I was like, oh, I can't wait to meet you at a party in New York because I, I live here for a reason. And I can't wait to be like, oh, I know who you are. You, you've written about me. Like, tell me a little bit more about that piece. And, um, you know, I would actually want to know where this negativity comes from in some people. But a lot of people are clapping back on the, on, particularly on Twitter over and over. And it it's like... <laughs> I don't have time to clap back. So when people talk poorly about me, I usually do what Luke Story and I um, talked about this. You block and bless. <laughs> Maybe you bless and block, Luke, depending on which order. Or Gabby Bernstein, my friend G, used to say, forgive and delete. You know, it's just the process of building your brand also means that you are only as strong as the foundation that you're standing on solo with your two feet. You can't expect that team to always be there for you. In fact, I'll give you a few examples of, of how I've had to work on backup as well. Um, I put together PPTs, PowerPoint presentations, decks, whatever you want to call them, before I'm going up for a presentation anytime. And we had this great U.S.-Japan Council event in Santa Monica. Um, my girlfriends at Citrus Studios, Ayurka and Kalika, Tammy, all of the women at USJC, Mirai Nagasu came out for it, the bronze medalist and my homegirl now. We had an incredible time. Um, she was a figure skater, by the way. She's amazing. Landed the triple uh, axle this uh, February, which is huge. And uh, we had a great time. It was, it was oversold out. And people stayed there two hours after we were supposed to wrap. And we could have stayed there for four more hours because we had such a good time and it was such good energy. But it's the building behind that event that you don't hear or see about. And as I've discussed before, the Wabi Sabi podcast's purpose is to share with you the middle, the behind the scenes, the pain, the anguish, the hard work, the labor, the hours. So when I put together my PowerPoint presentations, they take a long time and my teammates can't always be there. So I do have um, backup people that help me out and for instance, like a couple of images needed to be swapped out to always keep things fresh and updated. And if Brit's not available, then Marcella's always there. Or if Marcella's not available, Brit's always there and vice versa. So in order to build a strong brand, the team that's around you needs to also be really reliable. And they need to be professional and they need to be better than you at their skills. So because Marcella and Britt are so powerful with their graphic artistry, I would never go in there and try to touch something. Man, I can cook. 
I can write, I can slay it with books, I can pre-produce, I can shoot photos, I can do a lot of things. Now I know how to pod. Um, I can make a crowd roar, but I am not going to sit there on InDesign or Photoshop and lay it out. I just, I can't. <laughs> I've tried, but um, Britt and Marcella, I take my hats off to you. They're consistent, they're reliable, they're on time. Marcel and I have worked together for almost 10 years now, and what we love is seeing each other grow and support each other. So again, the title of this pod today, my resume is my clapback. I'll get into why building a brand is pretty darn important, but what's more important than that is actually growing your resume. So if number one is build, number two is growing. When I was poor and I had to move back to my parents' house to write my first solo book, Pretty Delicious, with Rodale Publishing, um, at 26 I moved home because I didn't have any money. And my dad told me that if I didn't have money, then I could grow my resume and go out there and volunteer. That's where the entitlement never happened in my family until I got to that age where I thought everybody owed me for everything, <laughs> which is your glorious 20s. Oh, my God. And those of you who are going through that, you know, it's it's good to check yourself. You're going to get a lot of humility bumps in the road and you're going to hit a lot of fucking humility walls and you're going to hit a lot of humility floors and you're going to hit your knees on that humility floor and you are going to remember what shit felt like when you hit the humility fan. Because humility is like a slap in the fucking face. A good one. Like one of those crisp slaps. Do you remember the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop a long time ago? His name was Mr. Crisp. Me and my best friend from high school or junior high, Courtney and I, we talk about Mr. Crisp all the time. Anyways, side note. If you watch that movie, though, it's hilarious. Um... <laughs> You don't need to watch that movie. Anyways, about when I'm talking about growing your resume, the humility that you can gain when you're poor, when you're broke, when you're struggling, when you're earning your stars and stripes right now, that's stuff to note. Take notes on these moments in your life because humility is so important to embrace. It's not something you can see. You can't cut the air with it. It's just found in one's soul. And what the opposite of humility is, is pride and ego. And you know what? People that let their pride and ego get in their way, which I have before, just so you guys know, um, those people, though, will never make it. And I'm, I'm reminded of that when I'm going through a painful time. And, and I do want to note Nothing was easy, and I still struggle almost every day. Even though my lineup this week is pretty impressive, I'm even impressed with my lineup this week. I'm like, damn, who is this girl? <laughs> That's humility, by the way. That is my humility coming into play because I've hit the, full, the floor so many times. I've hit the ground like on my knees so many times. I have prayed to Jesus and God and the universe and Buddha so many times. I have asked God to show me the way and the path. When I'm building my resume, I am sweeping floors. I am taking the trash out. I'm going to help those at the breadline who don't have any food. 
And you know what? I need to go and do some volunteer service very soon because what it does is it fills up your character and your character and your heart. And those two things also need to be banked. It's not all about your bank account. Sometimes it's about character, humility, love, grace, empathy, compassion. Those are things you have to have in order to make it. People won't really be attracted to you unless you're just absolutely exuding with grace the way very much that uh, Oprah Winfrey does, the um, Dalai Lama does, Deepak Chopra does. Um, I would even look at somebody like Brene Brown and her work. It's so incredibly beautiful to watch women start to really take their mask off and write from their soul and, and finally just take their mask off and say, this is me unapologetically. But I can guarantee you that every one of those people that I just named off, and there are many more, have number one, built their brand, built the team around them, had very reliable and smart and talented people surrounding them, more talented than themselves. And number two, they grew their resume. Oprah's resume is a scroll. I mean, Deepak Chopra has written more books than anyone else I know. My sister reminds me, how many books did Deepak write again when her and I are both struggling as writers? <laughs> oh, Jenny, I don't know. But it's a great analogy. It's a great phrase. And you guys should pick it up too. Remember, scratch your head, look out the window. How many books did Deepak Chopra write again? Oh, yeah, like over 100. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right, so grow your resume. Another way to grow it. Uh, that I did in particular was I started to work with a lot of community centers. So here's who I work with um, now is the U.S. Japan Council, Wellness in the Schools, City Harvest, Health Corps, The Resolution Project, and I used to work with the Obama administration's Asian American Pacific Islander um, programs with the White House initiative there for AAPI. And that was in New York and that was in Hawaii. And I would like to continue to grow my resume full of that volunteer work because what it gives us is a sense of satisfaction that money can't really even come close to. Sure, money is a little bit comforting when you've got rent due and coming up, but to me, it's not the goal in life. You know, I, I often say to myself, it's nice to be profitable, but it's certainly not the meaning of life. It's nice to be profitable, but it's certainly not the meaning to life. So number one, again, build your brand, set up that team, set up that shop. And then Number two, start growing your resume. Like, What are you going to do to start making your resume just flow? I'd like to work more with soup kitchens, those who are hungry and in need. I'd like to work with the Salvation Army more. And I think my dad does a really good job of keeping me in check. So in order to continue to grow your resume through volunteer work and community work, you should absolutely make sure you got somebody in your life who can check you. 
the reason why I'm considered normal and real, I am overwhelmed at how many of you have written that I am real on my uh, podcast reviews. I It's shocking because I'm like, is everybody else fake or what? You guys all fake as fuck. You should take your mask off. Nobody gives a fuck anymore about your fakeness. Um, anything that's contrived is so easy to see, too. So my father and mother have been my greatest resources to checking myself. They'll remind me I'm not really that important. <laughs> okay, number one, build your team. Number two, grow your resume. And remember to have somebody really keep you in check. That could be your sister, it could be a mentor, it could be an older brother, older sister, even younger. But remember this, truly, you are entitled to absolutely nothing. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody is going to give you anything for free. You're not going to get a handout. And you certainly are not going to make it by acting entitled. So I would slap that entitlement right out of you now and start working on your resume. Your resume is a solid foundation to building your blueprint. And if you have nothing to stand on, how could you ever grow your empire? Keep that bricklaying stable and strong. That leads me to number three, which is consistency. So when you're consistent in your work, um, I think it really is important to stick to what you do well. I knew that I could write recipes and develop them and cook and test and share gorgeous food imagery with you better than anybody else. And that wasn't something that I planned I just followed my passion and when I invested in myself and I virtually am like taking loans out to go to culinary school in my twenties, like 22, put myself in serious debt because I said, well, no one else is paying for this. I love cooking and I'm going to go to culinary school because it is my calling and passion. And no, like that Julia Child movie wasn't out yet and about blogging and food and like Twitter wasn't like Twitter wasn't out yet and neither was uh, Instagram. So it's, it's just kind of bizarre because a lot of people are getting into things because they think it's good for the gram or good for their image or they are, they think it's cool, but they're not going out and getting real life experience. Now, the difference between somebody who's actually building a resume and growing their empire and staying consistent, the difference between that person who's doing in real life work, IRL, and the person who's on the app and just like taking pictures and posting all day and writing a blog from home, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a, there's a huge discrepancy between the two. You know, when you learn how to cook under chefs at school for years and also in restaurants for years, and then you go become a food editor at magazines and you, you become a writer and you publish many books, and then you end up contributing to only top tier publications and working side hustle um, as a advisor to many different top tier brands. And then you become a spokesperson for all these brands and an ambassador for these brands. 
that hustle is in real life. So when I sat in front of the hundred girls and like three men, of course, that came to my event on Saturday in LA in Santa Monica at Orange Studios, Bergamont Station, we had the best time. You know why? Is because I have the in real life experience. I'm not weird and socially awkward when you throw me a mic. Fucking give it to me. I'm going to rock this. I know what I'm doing in that space because I practiced. I've earned my worth. I've done dozens and dozens of speaking engagements. And I've worked in front of a camera for over 10 years. So it's very easy. And I don't just mean a, a still, still photography. I mean like TV. So... I don't want to age myself either and give you guys the exact numbers. <laughs> I'm taking a sip of LaCroix. LaCroix? LaCroix? Everybody calls it something different. Anyways, it's good. My dad came up to me once and he's like, Is this shit? This is no sugar? No sodium? No calories? What the hell's in this? Why do you keep drinking all that soda? <laughs> I was like, Dad, it's not soda. <laughs> it's LaCroix. Come on now, get with it. <laughs> it's not soda, Dad. <laughs> it's so funny. All right, so remember, my resume is my clapback. Number one, build your brand, get your team, get reliable people. Get them fucking pumped. I don't care if you want to start a new supplement brand or if you want to start a company that helps people to create, you know, succulent plants in their pots, or maybe you're just really into photography and you want to help people uh, take your photography workshops, whatever it is, do it well, do it well with integrity, do it well. Pretend like you got that tiger mom on your back watching you. Number two, growing your resume. And I don't just mean with work experience. I mean, with volunteering as well. Work experience is huge, though. The education you can get is phenomenal in this country and all over the world. It doesn't matter really where you study as long as you study it. I'm learning Japanese, trying to get like way better at everyday conversation. And I realize it is a very tall order, a large feat. It is a tremendous opportunity for me to be able to practice more everyday Japanese, which is extremely hard. This language is not easy, and um, my mother really has become my spirit animal. Go, miho. <laughs> Number three, consistency is key. Okay, so to note on three, here's another big, big, big part of the puzzle. Um, look, I was saying earlier, I went to culinary school. I invested in myself. I went and learned from the best magazine editors. I'm not going to name drop because I'm not that kind of a person, but I have worked under the best editors here in New York city. And I feel very grateful and no, they weren't always nice to me and stuff was not always good. And yes, they scared the shit out of me and they still do. It's probably why I'm not going to name them. <laughs> They, if somebody instills a little bit of fear in you, which my mother did growing up, that's a really good thing because people should be shaking in their boots a little bit. Check yourself and check your ego because humility is what's in. Kindness is what's in. Compassion. People have shit all over me my entire life, including recently some people I thought were my friends. And it wasn't even that bad. Like sometimes... The most painful stuff was just like a falling out with a girl who's in my friend group and we we're thick as thieves. So when that happened, it was like, it was like 
cutting that like for me that was like a knife to my heart because as an empath who really has um, gone through trauma also with somebody abandoning me before like that stuff is really hurtful and you cannot assume that one who is killing it in their work is doing really well emotionally at home you know there's a lot of there's just different play. How do I say that? Different play. Okay. <laughs> Why do you guys listen to this podcast for real? <laughs> we have like a cult following now. I'm shocked. Uh, number three, consistency. Don't lose sight of your goal. My goal was always to be the best food and wellness writer that I could be in New York. And even though I moved here almost a decade ago, I'm still doing just that. Sure, I'm going to launch my matcha beauty brand. I'm going to end up hosting some sort of a series. Maybe I'll even have some kind of a new publication or downloads come out soon where you guys can get more coursework on how to build a real deal wellness brand. But I also think it's important for us to stick together and be thick as thieves in the field of consistency. Do that. Do that work. Stick with what you know. If you are an esthetician by trade, I urge you to learn as much as you can about your craft. Sometimes I I go to my friends who do um, skincare on the regular as estheticians, dermatologists, you name it. Even nutritionists can really help with skin. And I learn so much from them. I'm always amazed. And actually, nutritionists like Tanya Zuckerbrot, Carrie Glassman, um, and my friends like uh, out in, some of them uh, do nutrition coursework out in Australia as well. Uh, They really, really amaze me because they're so brilliant in what they do. And um, I find people really attractive when they know what they're talking about and they've got a whole lot of experience in their field. And that experience came from building their resume. I'm going to tell you a little story that I don't like to tell people. Um, I don't know if we talked about this yet or not, but I have a feeling we didn't. So when I was younger, I was on Cook Yourself Thin, which is a show they put me on and took me off many times. TV is very painful and it's about gum on. It's about the ultimate resilience after the show, which was a huge hit series, and our book was a New York Times number one bestseller for many weeks um, in June 2007, I believe. My agency, which I had to seek out and kind of interview with, and, and you know, I worked hard to earn them as well and their respect. They put me up for a gig with Food Network And I knew it was coming too, which is the weird part. And I'm like 26 and everybody that had been working with me was like, oh, we knew this was going to happen. You're like a shoe in. And I was allowed to interview with three different uh, production companies in LA. I was very young and vibrant and bubbly. And I still think that I am the same girl. Uh, What you see is really what you get with me. And there's no faking it, just doing the damn thing. I picked one production company, actually the one that does Cupcake Wars, and we um, met many different times to pre-prep for a killer, real, 
um, slash sizzle tape on a new show for Food Network. And Food Network paid us. Oh, I did tell you this story and sadly it ended like this. I was given the option um, to start on a network on Saturday mornings. Or if it didn't get greenlit, I'd get 500 bucks. And we went all out. I mean, it couldn't have been a better pilot. There wasn't any other way. And I ended up getting the 500 bucks. And it was the greatest blessing of recourse and redirection and what some would call a loss in my life. And I think I told you before that I was bedridden when I found out that my pilot, like nine months later, was like not going to get greenlit. Um, I had never had that much anxiety either in my life. I was so worried about if it was going to happen or not. But what that shows you is I never got the show. And so Beth Burke, the EP at the time that now works on other series there, who I love, was like, I need you to grow your resume and write your books. So if one group of people didn't believe that I was talented enough, um, and there were other girls that got those Saturday morning shows that I know, and my God, did they have it easier than me. I don't know why it wasn't so easy for me. I don't know why. I'm not a victim ever. I never will be. I'm only going to be the heroine of my own life, never the victim. Quote me on that. You are the heroine of your life and never the victim. Choose one of the two. You will be that. Things were not easy. They never gave me my show. I never got one anywhere else. We tried for so many years and, uh, you know, it was like a dream crusher every time we got the no. We're going to pass. She's just not for our audience. She's just too cool and too thin to teach women how to cook. She's just too Asian. Asian. She's just too Asian. You know, her food really isn't for our audience. You know, Candace is so great and so cute, but she's just too green. You know, we just don't think that she's ready yet. Yeah, she's just like way too thin to be teaching people how to cook yourself thin, which P.S. makes no sense. What was the title of the show, bitch? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. These people, I tell you, what was so telling, by the way, was this morning I went to my workout and I got, and I flew in at midnight last night from Cali. I went to my workout, saw my old hair girl, Mune, who was over at Whole Foods. I bumped into her um, at Whole Foods when I was getting ready for recipe testing for couple of shows this week and she was like oh my god and we were together on that series cook yourself thin she did my hair on that show and it's almost like every time people see me now they're like I can't believe that you have just like blown everybody out of the water and and nobody needs to say anything either my resume is my clap back for all the mean things that people said to me you know on that show the makeup girl was so nasty to me our EP was mean to everyone um, I've even had people say for Top Chef, like publicly, that the only reason why I ever got on the show was because of the way I looked. Like that is a really mean backhanded compliment. And I don't take those lightly because I was just saying this to my parents the other day in the five minutes I got to see them while I was like racing between LA, San Diego and New York. 
And I said, it's such bullshit that I've worked so hard for like 15 years and people still think I got to where I am because of how I look. That's a joke. I've had to work fucking harder than everybody else. All those boys, fuck that. And they all know it too. I had to work 10 times harder than all of them because of the way that I looked. When you're a young female and you got to get down and get scrappy and gritty, you better get there because you know you can do it and you're the only person who's going to be able to do it. On this trip alone, I ran into Angelo Sosa, who's on another season of Top Chef and Richard Blaze. And it was almost like validation that I don't need from anyone. But my God, it is nice when people acknowledge you. When Richard had me on his pod, I'm sitting across from him in his house in Del Mar. And he's looking right at me. And he is like, you are talented. You are kind. You are humble. Like Your work is so awesome. Uh, he kept looking through the book over the next few days after we met up. Kintsugi Wellness, my newest book. I mean, everyone's got this amazing fascination and aura around Japan and Japanese wellness is like next level shit. And so it was so nice to get vindicated by another top chef who I think is one of the top three people who's just crushing the game. As a kid who came from that family, when I entered Top Chef season one at 22, do you really think I knew what I was doing or what I was in for? No, no. And we had a great conversation. And when you listen to our pod, it's going to make you laugh. And if you're a Top Chef fan, oh my God, you're going to die. I just, there's so many people that were so nice over the years because of my success. But when we were in that house, oh man, they were dirty. They were so mean, so bad and appalling. Remember, entitlement, ego, and pride are going to get you nowhere. They will get you nowhere. Now, we talked about building your brand and the team around you and how reliable everybody needs to be. We talked about how you need to grow and develop and let your, blossom, let your resume blossom much like a flower. Can you see how fast my brain works? It's incredible. I said the word blossom <laughs> before I even was getting there. Let it blossom. Do not get frustrated by the setbacks. One of the greatest skills that I've ever learned was to use all of those mean things that everybody said about me over the years. She's too thin. She's too cool. She's too, she's, she's not for our network. She's too Asian. She only cooks Asian. She can't cook Asian on our show. She's not for our audience. She's too pretty. Oh, I've heard that before. That's funny because I'm not even that pretty. And P.S. like, no, like, why would you tell a woman that anyways? Like, that's just straight up rude. And yeah, I've been through the ringer. Like, I can't tell you how hurtful and disgraceful and dishonorable and disruptive and very unexpected this this whole marathon has been. But consistency kept me going and it, it fueled me. Use that dirt that people say about you. Use all the naysayers and all the people that doubt you. Use them as your fuel. They are your forever catalyst to success. Leave them in the dust. Bye, Felicia. My resume is my clapback. Nothing is needed. No talk. No bullshit. No clapback. 
My resume is my clapback and my resume is strong. I stand beside that proud with no ego, with grace. My resume is my clapback. You guys say that to yourself and start building it. I want to see more of you because I know exactly who you are when you're listening to this. I DM with all of you all the time because it is my job to be real. I will not be another way. I don't know another way. My resume is my clapback. The greatest thing you can do to all those naysayers is be successful, be happy, be compassionate. It will drive them crazy. I want to recap a little bit on my week before I get to my number four. Because we rushed at the beginning. Because I was like recording and I didn't feel like stopping it and re-recording. <laughs> oh, first of all, we got this amazing piece in Oprah Mag, bitches. Oh my god, she's the best. August issue. I have a piece called Flaws and All that I wrote with them. It's the Eastern Outlook that might just help to improve yours. It says, ever consider that you're better for the wear? That's the concept behind kintsugi, a Japanese art form in which broken pottery is mended using lacquer that's then dusted with golden powder. The idea is that the end result is even more beautiful because of, not despite, the imperfections. And then it goes on to say, Candice Kumai is a chef and author of kintsugi wellness, and she shares two simple kintsugi-based practices to help you see the grace beyond life's cracks. So one of them is about being grateful, and the other one's about letting go. And if you need to hear a little bit about that, please grab Oprah Mag issue September, no, August 2018, August 2018. I also have a contributor page on there. Um, speaking about when I'm scared, what do I tell myself? And then if I quit my day job, what would I do? Love you guys at Oprah Mag. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Um, so to recap my week, oh my God, I flew into Cali. I helped my parents on a trip they took to Alaska because they never go on vacation anymore. I surprised them with uh, my friends at General Electric and I got them they had the most worn out Costco Kirkland Signature washer dryer. <laughs> Seriously, from Costco. Shout out Costco. <laughs> oh my goodness. I need seriously therapy. Costco. So they had Kirkland Signature Costco washer and dryer. And my friends at General Electric were so cool. We surprised them with a new washer dryer when they got home. So mom and dad, I know you don't listen to this podcast because you don't know how to download it, but thank you for being my rock. The least I could do is somebody who struggles with constantly having to put back into my business. I mean, some, there are some months where I still really struggle <clears throat> to keep it all together here and my parents are my rock and it was like the least I could do but I'm so excited because geez American made and there wasn't anything else that I could have thought of doing for them Father's Day my dad's birthday Mother's Day it's all kind of around this same time and I just said you know what I don't have money to buy you guys gifts because that's the entrepreneur life in the middle 
The middle is the tough part where you're not being able to pay your bills still. And I still had to take out a loan from a friend very recently and like, wasn't that much money, but it was enough to get me by, you know, and those are the little, like, those are the people that believe in you. That's your, that's your team. That's your build. That's your grow. That's you being able to stay consistent because of people who believe in you. So I also got to pod with uh, Luke's story with my friend Talia at Party in My Plans with, I love Luke, by the way. He's so much fun. We had so much fun with his, his dog, Cookie. Luke, you are amazing. And you made me smile and laugh. And we should have hung out all night. But, you know, I had to go do the damn thing. So, but thank you for having me on your pod. I'll get you back always. And then Richard Blaze and his wife. And then um, Jordan Younger and I, Balance Blonde, caught up. And we're going to be doing a pod soon with her. And the Almost 30 Girls are going to come over to my girl, like amazing girl boss pad here in New York. And we're going to do a pod together on the 15th. So that's exciting. Um, I also threw that big event at USJC. We had an incredible time. If you guys are interested in joining the US Japan Council, please check out their website and click on membership. Again, it's the US Japan Council. We bridged the gap between the two countries because there is a beautiful relationship that has just blossomed between both parties, both sides, both countries that has once been broken open. So the U.S.-Japan Council is a form of kintsugi art and wabi-sabi. We will always be perfectly imperfect and honor one another, support and uplift one another. And Tammy and Erica, I love you both. You are both such special women in my life, my hands on my heart. I am so grateful for us putting together that event. There are women in that audience who said that my books had saved their lives in the hospital to women who were in the Air Force that grabbed me and said, I can relate to you more than anything in the boys club to just incredible smiling faces who were Japanese, Polish, German. They were from Australia. I mean, we had everybody from all over the world come and I was so excited. Girls even came out from Kansas. I was like, wow. It was the first time you guys legit real that I had ever had that kind of a line for a book signing. Um, and I want you to know I'm on book number six. When you write your first book, it's not that glorious where you have this like humongous line out the door. <sighs> Maybe if you're, you know, the Dalai Lama or, um, it does happen sometimes for some people, but for me, my climb was very, very gradual. And so I'm living proof that if you keep going stuff Stuff's going to happen, but you do need to be very patient. Again, my resume will be my clapback. And when I was sitting there in that line, I, I was so happy to be around the girls and the women that had all been through struggles and who'd all been through wabi-sabi with their perfectly imperfect lives, just staring at Mirai Nigasu and I, at two women who are both Japanese American very proudly, but also very open about our struggles. And, um, I think that what we both found was that the more honest and real we are with all of you and how we can be with our community and mingle one-on-one -on -one together. I mean, that is precious and valuable. And might I add, it doesn't happen a lot anymore. A lot of public figures go to events 
and they just leave. They get on stage and then they, they sneak out. And of course, if you're very, very high level, like there's Titan security and things like that. But I think there's something artistically special about still being able to connect with your reader, with your viewer, with your fan, um, with your listeners, all of you to me, I have nothing if I don't share or help you. Um, so my week was crazy. I also had to write six different sushi recipes for various shows coming out this week. And my mom and dad, um, helped me pack up the car with the Vitamixes and all the gift bags. And I want to thank everybody who came out and helped to donate gifts to all of our amazing readers and listeners who came to the event. I'll be doing many more. So stay tuned on my Instagram at Candice Kumai. Um, I also want to say that I learned a lot this week. I didn't do a lot of thinking about what I should say on the pod. I do that anyways. I did it on the subway today in Brooklyn. I did it while I was sweating my ass off, like packing and putting up that whole event with Tammy and and the team there, volunteers. You guys are amazing. Like I do all the behind the scenes. I don't sit around and demand and, and have people like, please do this or do that and call out, you know task. Uh, uh-uh. I got to do it. I got to put my hands in it. I got to get gritty. I got to get dirty. I got to get in. I'm an artist. There is a difference between somebody who tells everyone what to do and puts their name on it. And the person who just really wants to put their head down and work. I'll never really clap back at anybody guys. That's why my resume will stand strong. My resume will always be my clap back. Okay, so we're going to move on to um, romance. <laughs> this is like, uh, why is that on my, oh yeah, that's why it's on there. Duh. All right, so we're getting to the Toto song that Weezer covered. So the reason why I thought this is important for today was that a lot of us think that romance is tied to another individual all the time. But your love story could be so much bigger and broader. You don't have to get married young. You don't have to get have kids young. You don't have to get settled down young and buy a house and do everything. You can also see the world. I'm going to read to you something I I thought was pretty remarkable because I kept hearing the Weezer song over and over when I was in LA and it was like, dude, this remake is amazing. And I'm a huge fan of Toto's original song, Africa. But when Weezer covered it, it was like taking it to another level. So about the original song, David, I believe it's Peitch or Peitch was explaining the song Um, It's about a young white boy that is writing a song about his love for Africa and he's never been there. So he can only remember what he's seen from TV. And um, he said he was watching a late night documentary on TV when he was younger and he saw the deaths and the suffering of the people of Africa and it appalled him and it also moved him. And what he finds is that he develops a love for a continent, in this case, Africa. And he says that it's about a person that's getting ready to fly for a missionary. 
And as a child, he attended Catholic school. So he saw his uh, teachers go out for missionary work in Africa. And one of them explained something really cool uh, that I read in The Guardian. And it said, they told me how they would bless the villagers and their Bibles, their books, their crops. And when it rained, they'd bless the rain. That's where the hook line comes in the song. I bless the rains down in Africa. That's where it came from. I bless the rains down in Africa. So I am not going to sing for you guys. Uh-uh. I bless the rains down in Africa. I'll play it for you. Um, there's a lot of us that are out there right now that think that we have to conform to what everyone else is doing for some reason. Now, when I'm working on my career and my resume, my work is actually my true love. Cooking was always my first true love. My work and my life is my love. And my life is about helping others. So when they're singing, I bless the rains down in Africa. This is a, a story about a young boy who could only dream about traveling there to help the people in need. And his work would be for the people. He would bless the rain one day. You can do that too with your career. Instead of clapping back at other people all the time, instead of lashing out, I had somebody lash out at me as soon as I landed in New York. Surprise, it was the driver. And I had a serious talk with Lyft about it because I just, I said, this is absolutely unacceptable. Customer service is officially a lost art in the U.S., which is terrifying. This person told me, he could do whatever he wanted because this was America. And he lashed out profanities at me. And he made me feel like I wasn't even worthy of this ride with him. I didn't, I didn't grow up like that. <laughs> My parents... <sighs> Like, need I say more, their their washer and dryer was, like, over 10 years old. <laughs> and they're so reasonable, and, and they like to reuse and fix and recycle. And uh, by no means are they financially strapped, but they're really humble. Uh, when that man uttered those words to me, I, inside, said, excuse me? Well, what? You know, America is not about entitlement and that we're better than anyone else because we're not. The true spirit of America is just bringing together all different types of people. And no one's better than anyone else. No one. My father said that when my mother and him got together, the thing they agreed to disagree on would be religion. Nothing would separate them. Love was what brought them together in the end. And so while well, number four in my resume is my clapback is romance, more of your work and your life to help others. 
remember that your love story doesn't have to be with another person. Your love story can be with your work. Cooking will always be my first love. It might be my strongest forever. My mother's true love is gardening, and I watch her do it all the time in the backyard. My father's love is for cycling, and I watch him do it for about 13 miles a day. And he's like, I don't know, 65? Go get it, Dad. You still look like better than Jeff Bridges. The dude. My sister's true love is her cycling shop. And she's just so humble and cool. She doesn't talk to me much. But I think about her all the time. As a single girl who really enjoys my single life, traveling has been my other love. I really enjoy the thrill of meeting new people in a new country with new food and going solo, being surprised, making new friends, drinking local wine, local beer, local vodka, sake, going on hikes with the Japanese, going on magical adventures with my ancestors in Japan. I mean, I just got back from Italy and had the best time. <laughs> I'm going to read you the lyrics from the song because it is so special. This is the part that I really like. The wild dogs cry out in the night, and as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company, I know I must do what's right. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti, I seek to cure what's deep inside, frightened of this thing that I've become. It's got a it's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa. Going to take some time to do the things we never had. Hurry, boy. She's waiting there for you. And the she wasn't really a girl. It was the continent of Africa. Go do something that you love. Let your work become your romance. Let work become your love story. And that person that's meant to find you will find you. You'll stumble with them somewhere. Why not let it be somewhere in Africa? Remember, romance is key to your resume. Love the work you do and you'll never be exhausted from doing something you don't enjoy. Romance your work is number four. My resume is my clapback because I build with reliable people and people that are professional around me. I build a brand that is meaningful and helpful to others with real life solutions. Number two, I grow. 
I grow my resume long and strong so that when people clap at me, I'm going to clap back with my resume. You better watch out. Number three, consistency is key. Find what you love and do it so well that people cannot take their eyes off of you. As Maya Angelou once said, keep it consistent. Number four, romance. Romance your work. Romance your life. Help others along the way. Your love story doesn't have to be about another person. It can be about your devotional and devout love for work too. Now, lastly, I'll give you a little bit on wellness, beauty, and cooking as always. So for wellness, my shout out goes to OMAG this week where they wrote about flaws and all and we shared the true meaning of wabi-sabi, how you and your life is perfectly imperfect. Go check it out, the August issue. For beauty, I met an amazing girl named Candace also who created a handcrafted beauty bar chocolate and she shared them with me and they're so yum and you can find them at beautybarchocolates.com. They're made with really impressive ingredients and they taste amazing. So again, that's beautybarchocolates.com. Thank you, Candace. I love it. And you are sweet as pie. Cooking, it's all about sushi this week. Oh my God. I have to reiterate to you guys um, some notes on what I'm going on for work. So today's show is going to be the 12th this Thursday, July 12th. I'm going to be on with, um, I hope, Kathy Lee and Hoda at the 10 a.m. hour. Please watch for cooking this week. It's all about sushi. And we're going to be making onigirazu, which is sushi sandwiches. And maybe even my matcha dark chocolate cake. It's vegan and gluten-free, but we won't tell them. Cooking is also about making sushi with Wendy. I'll be cooking behind the scenes three different delicious rolls. A temaki roll, a collard green vegan roll, and also a delicious mango avocado roll that's inside out with shrimp tempura on um, Wendy. And the episode will probably air August 1st. So don't forget to tune in to the Today Show, July 12th. That's this week. Um, I also have exciting news about Kintsugi Wellness. The book um, is being picked up in nine countries, and I'm really going to try my best to develop a series of podcasts and maybe even a video series on going to all nine of those countries, including Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the Czech Republic, Portugal, Brazil, uh, China, Russia, Poland, and I always forget like one in there, but I hope Greece is in there too. I think it is. Come on, Italy. You got to just pick that book up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I always think I'm going to have a short pod. It ends up being really long, but I hope you guys bless the rains in Africa and work on that resume. It's your love story. It's your comeback kid. It's your strength. It's your honor, it's your dignity, and it's the place where you belong on paper in real life. Your resume is your clapback. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. And don't forget to leave your ego at the door. Ciao.